0: I have the... Oh, I'm so sorry. Tonight, I have the privilege um, of introducing our guest speaker. Uh, this is our last, believe it or not, our last week of Lent. Um, and if you haven't been here, we've been talking about the power of Jesus and just hearing about how God has moved in all of our lives. And so tonight, Jody Schmidt, who has been a member for a while, is going to come up and share her life story with us and tell us all the ways that she has seen God move. And so would you please help me welcome her as she comes and gives for talk. Okay. Let's trade.
1: We're rearranging things here just a little bit, folks. (laughs) Jess was nice enough to ask me to come up early, and I just thought of this now. (laughs) That's all right. That comes with age, folks. (laughs) When we're young, we remember everything, right? As we get a little older, we don't. Thank you for coming tonight. We have all heard how God works in mysterious ways. I'm sure you've all heard that. Tonight, I'd like to share with you my firsthand belief in that statement. I was raised in a small country Lutheran church by Finley, North Dakota, close-knit community, close-knit congregation. In fact, our mothers had to take turns being our Sunday school teachers and our Bible school teachers. After college, I married a nice Catholic boy He totally believed in God, but was not great about going to Holy Mass after he graduated from high school. We certainly went to um, Christmas church services together and Thanksgiving church Christmases together and weddings and funerals. But that's about it. I didn't want to give up my Lutheran faith. He didn't want to give up being Catholic. And I justified that. This is really loud, isn't it? Maybe I should tone it down. Sorry. Sorry. I justified that by saying, since we didn't have kids, it was okay. Now, please understand that we both believed in God, but for us, it just seemed to be more of a hassle than it should have been to go to church, whether it was his church or mine. One summer, a friend of a friend of mine came over, because I had horses, had horses since I was five, And this friend of a friend wanted to have horses for his three children and his wife. They thought that would be a great way to have a family activity. So after two hours of talking horses, because if you think I can talk about anything, I can talk about horses. (laughs) So we talked about horses for two hours. And at the end of it, I finally asked him, I said, so, Mike, what is it that you do for a living? Oh, I'm the Lutheran minister in Grandin. Grandin was four miles from where I lived. At that point, I thought, Someone's trying to tell me to go back to church. That was mysterious way number one. A few, after a few years, it became evident that our church would have to close. On any given Sunday, we had five to six people in Grandon, and that's counting the minister. And if we were lucky enough to get the organist, we might have seven people. So at that point, I joined Nora Lutheran Church. Maybe some of you have heard of it. It used to be the oldest Lutheran active church in North Dakota and that was like three miles from where I lived. In the summer of 2014, I was, uh, I'm a real estate agent, and in the summer of 2014, on a Sunday, I had an open house I wanted to do. Our church at Nora did not have a service that worked out, so with our new smartphones, I googled Lutheran Churches in Fargo. Once you know, Living Waters happened to have a service that worked out. I walked in that door, and Pastor Bob was there, And he greeted me like it was just commonplace that a stranger off the street would walk into his church. Mysterious way number number two. Now, in December of 2014, after my husband had had some problems with his business, I decided it was time for me to read the Bible. That's right. My mother would hate me to admit that all the years she was my Sunday school teacher, I never read the Bible front to back. So I went to the Christian bookstore... I found a Bible in a version I could understand. <laughs> I got a daily devotional Bible. And when I went home, I happened to find a notebook my husband had given me on a trip from a trip. Because that's one thing that I love to do. Give me a task, I come up with steps, I research it, I love to take notes. That makes the project even better if I can take notes. So I was diligent as of January 1st of 2015. Now, at the end of April 2015, my husband was working on a farm of a neighbor's of ours, literally a mile away, and I had been to Arizona for my mom's birthday. I came back on a Tuesday, and it was Wednesday night, 5 o'clock. He texted me because I was with a client, wanted to know if I would be home to do my horse chores. I said, Certainly, I'll be there. Came home, did my chores. Fussed around the house, probably watched a little TV. That night at 10 o'clock, I thought, you know, I should call him just to make sure he's coming home. He didn't answer, and I kind of chalked that up to a couple different things. A, he's on the tractor and he can't hear the phone. B, his phone went dead, and he was never good about checking his battery on his phone. And I thought, you know, no worries. He always said he could stay at Corby's house overnight on the couch, Corby's farm was a mile from where we lived. We were good friends with Corby. No problem. In the morning I woke up. It was early, but I called him anyway. Of course he didn't answer cuz he's not a morning guy. So I went and did my chores, didn't think anything of it. About 8:30, I called again and he still didn't answer. Now I should make one confession. I'm just Irish enough to have a temper. So I got a little angry. And I left that message that us wives sometimes leave on our husband's voicemail. Why didn't you call me? And about a little while later, I thought, I'm going to call Corby. Because Corby knows me well enough. He will call me back. He will be scared enough to know that Jody's upset. I better let her know Bob's fine. Well, at 9 o'clock that morning, I hadn't gotten a call from either one of them. And I thought, okay, you know, i got things to do today. So I thought, I'll just drive over to Corby's. Chew them out in person, right? So the first half mile, I'm practicing my Irish give them hell speech. You know, wives were great at that. The second half mile, I started getting a little worried because they were working on a farm. I grew up on a farm. Accidents happen. As I drove down the driveway of that, of Corby's farm, which is a long, straight driveway with no trees until you get to the farm, That's when God worked in his mysterious way, number four. As I drove down the driveway, Corby, my husband, and the ATV that they had been thrown off of were as close to me as probably that white table over there. But I did not see them. I do believe something, someone, God, Jesus, Holy Spirit, kept me from seeing them. And what I saw was the tractor running ahead of me and to the left. That's what I focused on. Late April at 9.15, 9.20 in the morning, when a tractor's running, you can still see its exhaust. So I could see that tractor was running from quite a distance. So I drove up to the tractor. I got out. I walked around the tractor. I went in every single building. I found my husband's pickup. I found Corby's pickup. I thought, where are they? As I turned to the house, Corby's dog came running up, wagging his tail, happy as a clam. So I figured they're in the house having breakfast. So I walked into the house. First, I did knock on the door, like a nice neighbor. Then I barged in, because I was still mad. Coffee pot, no coffee. No toast made, no cereal bowls out. Kitchen looked very clean. I thought, I don't think they had breakfast here. So I went back outside, sitting in my SUV again, such that I can see the driveway. Still did not see the accident. Thinking, where do I go? Because I don't even know where all Corby's fields are. At that point, a white pickup came driving up the driveway. I thought, ah, Corby got a new pickup. They went to Hunter for breakfast. So now I'm not mad anymore. But then it stops, like three quarters away down the driveway. I'm like, seriously, they're going to make me drive up to them? You know, are these guys really, they really want to get chewed out, don't they? As I'm driving up to Corby, or up to this pickup, Monty gets out. He is Corby's neighbor straight across the street, across the road. As he walks across, down the ditch, to a grassy, not a grassy knoll, but a grassy flat area, it's like I'm watching a movie in slow motion. I'm following his steps. He bends down to feel the pulse of a body, And I'm like, okay. And then he looks closer to me, and I followed his line of vision, and there was another body in a yellow t shirt. And at that point, someone said to me, You need to get out of your vehicle now. So I got out, I walked over to where Monty was, and to me, it looked like my husband was sleeping. Monty was feeling his pulse, I was shaking his arm. And as Monty kept saying, Jody, I'm so sorry, I kept saying, Oh my God, why didn't I come over last night? Why didn't I come over last night? And this is where God's grace stepped in. My husband hated hospitals. Just knowing he was going to get his blood taken, his blood pressure would go through the rough. I mean, I'm talking 180 over 100. God made sure that he had been knocked out before he had died of his injuries. The coroner assured me of that because there was still glass on top of him from the windshield of the ATV. My husband's injuries were such that part of his brain was damaged, his pelvis was broke, his spinal cord was severed, every rib front and back was fractured or broken, his liver was damaged beyond repair, one kidney was damaged beyond repair, and what killed him was a rib went through his heart. God made sure that I did not see that what I saw when I was there with my husband was a little blood, but he looked like he was sleeping. He wasn't disfigured, he hadn't been in pain, and to me that's mysterious way number six, I'm sorry, number five. Also, the fact that I didn't have to find him alone. I didn't know Monty's phone number. You know, he lived a mile away. My husband had his phone number. I didn't. For the next two hours, while my life seemed to stand still, everyone around me was moving. People came and talked to me, really don't know what they said. Eventually, his brother got me to his house, got me back home. Now, the accident happened in early spring, which, for those of you that have farms, it's a great time to sell farms because the grass is green. People want to buy farms in the summer. I had time to sell the horses. I had time to clean out all the buildings. We'd lived at the farm for 26 years. So it worked out great. Um, I had clients of my own that had been looking for a horse farm for four years. So So they stepped up, wanted to buy it. And every time I was on the farm alone... While I didn't fall into a depression or cry all night long, I knew I didn't want to be there alone. So having this accident happen in the spring was actually a good thing. Now, I had tried to keep up with the daily devotions during all that time, but there was a lot going on. I had a house to clean out, multiple buildings to clean out. Like I said, we'd lived there almost 26 years, a horse barn to clean out. So I had family, friends that helped me move, I settled into Fargo, South Fargo, very close to here. By the end of September, I was sitting in my house with my dog Daisy on the couch, being depressed. And I started drinking more than a person should when they're alone. That lasted three days. At that point, it was like someone said to me, Get off the couch. This is not helping you. So, I picked up the notebook that I had kept my notes in from my daily devotions. And they are going to, I'm going to share them with you on the screen. What I'm going to share with you proved to me that God had been preparing me for the difficult summer I was about to face. Though we still experience troubles in this world, accidents, illness, death, we know God will never leave us on our own and he is preparing an eternal home for us for us. January 4th. God's word gives you strength to your soul and spirit. January 7th. Since God knows everything, he can decide who's right, who's wrong and what's best. Be faithful and trust him with the end result. On the 8th, God feeds the birds and dresses the grass. Of course he's going to provide for his children, so don't worry, trust. January 21st. Life often seems too hard, and maybe occasionally even downright hopeless. When your light seems to be growing dim in the shadows of sin and sorrow, look up. Our Lord is only the, real, the only real source of joy and hope there is. Lean on him, and he will keep your light burning bright. January 30th, keep your eyes on Jesus, knowing he has a plan for you. In February, without God's help, humans accomplish nothing. Life can be frustrating, confusing, and sometimes scary, but everything is in his hands. Only with God's help can humans make it through life doing well. February 11th. Give honor and glory to God by placing your worries at his feet. He alone offers all the comfort and assurance we need for whatever we're facing in our lives. He will give us rest from the burdens of life. And in early March, in the midst of the storm, God offers us peace. He gives us shelter. He calms our fearful hearts. He wraps us in his love. When lightning strikes and winds blow fierce, call out to him. And this one was the one that made me stop and thank God. March 17th. Life is hard. We come face to face with some pretty tough stuff as we journey through the years. Difficult relationships, sickness, stress, the death of a loved one. Things that leave us feeling weak and hopeless. We don't need to bear these burdens alone. God wants us to give our worries and cares to him. He'll offer up just the strength we need to make it through. When I came across these notes, I realized that God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, and possibly my husband, (laughs) had been giving me the strength to wake up every day and deal with my life. It had been in my subconscious all along, and it was the positive self-talk whispered in my ear during that time. Now I'm dating a really wonderful man, gentle, who has introduced me. He actually introduced me to my husband. He was a groomsman at our wedding, and he was a good friend to my husband. So while we can laugh about the things they did in college, we can also laugh about the good times my husband and I shared. He is strong in his Lutheran faith, So now I can go to church with a man that believes in God and that prays to God. When we both while we both agree it is bittersweet the way we have come together, we feel strongly that God brought us together and that we are blessed to have found each other at this time in our life. Mysterious way number seven.
0: Yes, thank you so much, Jody. What a wonderful story to share, to show all the ways that God can move in our lives. Um, Again, thank you for sharing with us. Will you guys pray with me? Loving God, we are so thankful for all of the people in this congregation that have stories um, amazing that prove... All of the good things that you do in our lives and how you are moving through even the painful things and what can come out of that. And we just ask that you bless these words upon us and that we um, can all learn something, um, learn something more about you in the ways that you are amazing. We just lift all of our worries and our cares and our stresses in our lives to you and just ask that you will show us your goodness and your faithfulness um, in our times of need. We pray all these things.